Well, happy Friday. It's good to be back here in a very familiar chair with my buddy Andrew Gomison here. It is the Speaking For Him podcast, and we're going to be going to the movies today, Andrew. Yes, we are, and as we um, are getting into kind of the spring, summer, I know we're going to be out and about and more active, um, but we also enjoy um, doing a movie reviews because we know that no matter what the weather, no matter what the time of year, movie reviews are something that uh, we enjoy. Um, our movies are something that we enjoy, and I like to bring you wholesome entertainment selections. One thing that I do, as I said, I think for my very first review, that's different than a lot of places, is I don't review movies um, that are iffy. I try to only review movies that I think you absolutely should go to see, and this is definitely true of our um, selection today, and that is the movie I Can Only Imagine. Now, Adam, why don't you give us a little bit of a synopsis of I Can Only Imagine, and then after you do your synopsis, we'll go right into the movie trailer. So, uh, I Can Only Imagine is the story of how that Christian song came to be written and came to be known, and uh, it focuses on the story of lead singer of Mercy Me, Bart Millard. So, it shows what he went through through growing up, through his teen years, and then once he got into the band Mercy Me. And it's incredible as we dive into this movie a little more today to see what he went through. You know, you hear Christian songs all the time. I mean, especially I do, working at a Christian station. And you hear the message, you hear the lyrics, and that's awesome and it's deep. But when you hear how a song was written or how it went to someone's heart to go onto a page, to go onto an album. It's absolutely incredible. So I can't wait to talk more about this movie, Andrew. Yeah, it's it's going to be good. So we will get into the meat of that discussion. Um, but before we do, let's listen to the trailer for I Can Only Imagine. It's an amazing song. Just kind of happened. It took about 10 minutes, I guess. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. It took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Where's Mama? She's gone. She don't want me no more. And she don't want you neither. And I've always loved music. And I found some songs that I just... I held on to. They gave me hope. Mercy me, that can't be his real voice. Because I needed it. Dad, I can do this. No, you can't. And you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to realize that life has gotten you nowhere because you chased some stupid dream. I can only... I'm leaving. Shit. I want you to know that I pray for you all the time. And I hope that you find whatever it is that you're looking for out there. What are you running from? My dad. Then write about it. Let that pain become your inspiration. I got some stuff I need to sort out. And I deal with it the only way I know how. And that's to write a song. You hungry? I set the table. What is this? I want to make things right. You and me. My dad was a monster, and 
I saw God transform him. You have a gift for your gift. I didn't think that God could do that. And so I wrote this song for my dad. there you have the trailer for I Can Only Imagine. And uh, um, I really liked this movie. I remember hearing about it. And at first it's kind of weird because you're like, why would they write a movie based on the title of a Christian song? Yeah. And then, but then as you dig into the story and you realize how motivated by the story or by the story the song is you realize um, that there's a lot there. And as we talk about it, it's going to be really interesting to uh, dig in. So let's uh, begin with our quote of the day, which is actually a conversation. So Adam, why don't you share that? This is a conversation between Bart and his manager. His manager says, what is the name of your band again? And Bart says... Oh, it is Mercy Me, because when I told my Mima that we were starting a band, she was like, oh, Mercy Me, get a real job. And I was like, oh, Mima. And the guys were like, did she really say that? And I was like, yeah, we have to name the band Mercy Me from the movie I Can Only Imagine. Uh, so there were definitely some humorous um, moments laced in there. And as with as with every film that we review, especially if it's based on a true story, I always wonder how true to – Life it is. Now, full disclosure, I have started to read the book, I Can Only Imagine, which was not the basis for this film. Uh, it was actually, the book was inspired, or Bart was inspired to write the book um, after they made the film because he realized how compressed life has to be in a two-hour movie. So he wanted to tell his story in greater detail, and I've only gotten a few pages in, um, but... Um, I think it's so far very close to what actually happened. One of the interesting things they decided to do was he has a brother in real life mm. and they never mention him in the film. You get the impression in the film that he was an only child. Now to me that seems like a pretty big oversight, but perhaps <laughs> perhaps um he just want his brother he just wanted to afford his brother anonymity or or uh his brother wanted anonymity or maybe they just decided that was a better way to make the film because it was his story, not his brother's story. But regardless, I thought that was a pretty big change. Um, interesting fact about the, the gentleman who played Bart Millard. And I don't know if uh, maybe you can pull up his name, Adam, as I'm telling this story. It's J. Michael Finley. Oh, Cause Michael I was Finley. curious okay. too. So he, um, J. Michael Finley actually um, came from a Broadway background. He was actually, the project that he did before this movie was to play Jean Valjean on Broadway. Oh, in wow. In Les Miserables. And so this was his first um, film acting gig. And uh, so I think he did a really good job, basically killed it. Yeah. Um, he was... He definitely did all the singing. You know, it's kind of interesting because sometimes you wonder if the person, the actor, does all the singing. Well, in this case, they found a musical actor 
and he did all the singing in the film, and I just think he did really well. And another cool thing is that he he grew up in a Christian household, and he grew up a Mercy Me fan. So how cool was it? Must it have been for him to play Bart Millard in, oh, the, yeah. in the movie? I can only imagine. So that's pretty that's pretty sweet in my opinion. Um, before we um, start talking major details, Adam, do you have any um, general thoughts about this movie? I really, really liked it. When I went in, honestly, even though I've heard the song so many times, I, I actually wasn't sure what to expect exactly. I'd heard some great things from people. They said it was really well done. And I just kind of went in with, with an open mindset, but I loved it. And I thought the exact same thing that uh, the main character who plays Bart Miller, J. Michael uh, Finley, he, he killed it. He really did. And then there were some big names in the film I didn't realize. Uh, Dennis Quaid is in this. Also, um, Amy Grant actually played herself towards the end. I didn't realize that. but Towards the end? Yeah. Because she didn't play herself throughout the film. Why? Well, oh, really? Okay. No, I th- I don't think she actually did play herself. I think it was a, it was a, it was an actress. Wow, different actress. They did a good but job she, then. <laughs> but, but she did. They did a good job with casting, and they did a good job with casting a young Michael W. Smith too. That also was an actor. But uh, yeah, it's interesting how I, I find it interesting how uh, her life intersected with Bart Millard because if you remember a while back we did the the review of Ragamuffin, and one of the first songs that was a hit for Amy Grant was written by Rich, Rich Mullins. And he and he gave it to her to sing, and she sang it before he did, and both of them did really well on their versions, and both versions are hits today. Yeah. but And it's interesting how he gave Amy Grant, I can only imagine, and she gave it back. That was cool. She, she's like, this is going to be Mercy Me's first single. Look for it in the next few months. And he's sitting there like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? And apparently that is a 100% true part of the movie, that that actually happened in that way. So so that was that was kind of legitly cool. And I I definitely enjoyed enjoyed that. Um, so getting into a little bit more of our questions here. Uh, yeah, the movie – uh, is kind of just a biographical story of Bart Millard and shows some of the struggles that his um, dad went through and how he struggled with um, abusing Bart. And one thing that the movie doesn't bring out is that basically when he, when he was a young adult um, and living in the, in this town he was he was a teddy bear. Everybody loved him. And then he got in a car accident because he was working as a highway um, construction worker. But he was one of the sign holders mm. that holds the sign that says "Slow down, workers present." And he got hit by one of those cars, and he ended up with a brain injury. And a lot of people speculate that that's why he got so ended up getting so angry because he was actually affected mentally. Oh. By his accident, because he was never the same guy mm-hmm. after that. Now, of course, ultimately, we're still um, held accountable for our actions, and ultimately, he still needed God to change him. But I thought that was an interesting part of the story that they left out. And um, uh, some negatives for the film. I, I think the biggest thing that frustrated me, and I, I'm waiting to kind of get into the book to see if this is true. 
But like his wife Shannon, she she apparently met him when they were kids and she loved him from the very beginning, which is always a little awkward because it's usually not both people realize it at the same time. Right. But she stuck by him even when he was a jerk to her and she never went off and found somebody else even when he was a when he was a jerk to her when he wasn't real wasn't realizing how much she really loved him and how much she needed him and he he gave a couple half apologies before he finally um made things right with her at the end of the film and and of course they got married and they have five kids today and it's been a great that in and of itself was a great story of restoration because i think it was in part because of his dad that he didn't feel worthy of her love yeah um, kind of that he couldn't possibly be lovable enough. So I thought that was an, an interesting thing. Um, uh, did you have any more thoughts about positives or negatives that specifically stuck out? What I really appreciated about this film is, you know, obviously going through a backstory where like Bart was abused and just focusing on a household and a story like that. Uh, it gets messy, but they did a really good job through this of not putting in any swearing or anything explicit. They still did it to where it's it's family friendly, but still kept the storyline really strong as well. So I really appreciate that because sometimes it can go so far that it's like, oh, okay, boy, this is, you know, this is a little much <laughs> for especially young crowds to watch. So I thought they did a great job keeping it very GPG even through what was some really hard stories to tell, I'm sure, especially for Bart. Um, my only negative of the movie is it was it was a little bit, um, and this is a, a little odd saying it like this because it, obviously it's a serious story, but it was a, a little more uh, serious than I thought it was going to be. I thought there was going to be a little more kind of balance of kind of humor with those really big parts as well, but that's a small negative. Otherwise, the movie I thought was just all together really well done. That's, um, that's very true. It was, um, but there were some moments of, of levity now that you mentioned that because I love the part where he, he gets the lead role in the musical, even <laughs> though he never tried out. And again, um, I'd have to fact check that exactly if that really happened, but he's like, there's no way I can do that because he was forced to, to take Glee Club because he had to take an elective, and I forget what the other elective was, but he didn't want to take it. He was like so, quilting or something. <laughs> it was something, uh, at least home ec. Yeah. And so uh, she made him the sound sound man, and then he's he's goofing around listening to music <laughs> and singing through the sound system, and she decides that he has a good voice. So she makes him the lead in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was not very happy uh, at that particular time. So that is that was a really funny part for me. Um, and then uh, so other than Bart, because that's an <laughs> it's a given, guy, right? Who is your favorite character? You know, I really liked Mercy Me's manager, Brickle, who's actually played by uh, – I believe his name was Trace, like a famous country singer. Trace uh, Adkins? Yes, with the yeah. low voice and the dark train. Yeah. Um, he played their manager, Brickle, and I really appreciated a scene when 
they had just played for a bunch of music reps in Nashville, and the music reps didn't like them at all. They're like, we don't think you're ready. Uh, we don't think it's strong enough. And he just kind of – Bart Millard kind of blew up in the movie a little bit like, you know, we've gone too far, and I guess I'm quitting. I'm throwing the towel. And his manager sat him down, and he was like, basically, what's going on with you? And, you know, this was this was a taller – Kind of gruffer looking guy, you know, his manager, but he had this really tender moment and basically asked him, like, what are you running from? Why are you quitting? Why are you throwing in the towel? And he said, I'm running from my dad. And he encouraged Bart to take his pain and what he's running from and put that in his music, which really gave them their break. So I just, I really appreciated uh, Brickle, who was this manager that wasn't just in it for the money or in it just to get fame, but he was, he was really there for his bandmates and helped them through. And I just appreciated that. Oh, definitely. Um, I it's it's always interesting because Trace Atkins has been in a couple of of movies, and you want you sometimes wonder when some of these people are in movies if they're just in them to sell tickets because Trace Trace Atkins being in a movie is cool, right? And I kind of felt like that with Mom's Night Out, but when he did this movie, I really felt like he was actually a character. Yeah. And I felt like he did very well. Yeah. Um, uh, Dennis Quaid. Uh, can we talk about him for a minute? Wow. He really did a really good job in this film. And, um, and of course, sh- shout out to Wally from the Wally show. <laughs> yeah, he's, he makes a quick guest uh, appearance. Because he is in the end of the film and uh, he's been talking about it nonstop on his show. <laughs> For the last year, so shout out to Wally in case he ever listens to this. He was actually featured on our podcast for episode 149. So if you want to go back into the archives, you can hear my interview with him. But he and he actually did portray um, an actual uh, DJ, yeah. Um, who who incidentally uh, he interviewed on his show just a few weeks ago, and that was a fun interview to listen to. So um, very interesting stuff. Um, but I I think that um, Shannon was my favorite character, his, his girlfriend turned wife, because she was just so consistent. She never gave up on him. She said, I love you. I want to deal. The thing I think I liked about it is she's like, I want to deal with your crap as well as your good stuff. Mm. You know, she wasn't like, I'm going to I'm going to take away all the crap. And she wasn't discounting it. But she's like, I want to be there for you. Yeah. And I want to deal with that um, on your behalf or with with you, side by side with you. And it took him a long time to break down his resistance and realize, hey, um, I, I, you, I need you. And I, I, I resonate so much with that because I, I know I have friends who we go through stretches where they seem like good friends and then they kind of pull back. And then after a while, I'll talk to them again and they'll say, well, I was going through some stuff. Sorry, I've been distant. And I'm like, well, that's actually what I'm here for. Yeah. Is for when, for when you're going through stuff, because I'm not just a fair weather friend. Right. And you don't need to feel like you have to pull away from me just because things are going crappy. Because I understand what it means to go through crap in life. Mm-hmm. I've been there myself. And so that's just something that I um, really resonate with. And uh, so there are some really good characters um, in the movie. Again, I'm reading the book, so I'm interested to see 
how um, how that illuminates what we what we see in the movie. So, um, so least favorite character, Adam. Well, I feel like this is kind of a given as well, and it, it kind of has a happy ending. But um, I mean, probably would would be the dad. Obviously, seeing what was going on there and and how he was treating people, and it's Dennis Quaid did a great job conveying a man who you could tell was basically going through torture on the inside. You know, he used to be this college football star, and so he'd watch these games every night of his heyday, and you could just tell it was someone who was just bitter and just angry at the world and at God, and uh, he did a. He did a, a really, really good job conveying it, that's for sure. But it does have a somewhat of a happy ending, at least eternally in the end. So that's good. Well, yeah. I mean, that and that was that's a that's a layer to the song that you don't realize yeah. until you hear the story was that he wrote it um because he saw the change in his dad. And his dad went from being a monster to the man that he wanted to become. Mm-hmm. I mean that's about as ultimate of a of a life change as you can possibly go through and yet that was his experience and I thought that was so awesome. Yeah. That not only did he say he became a good man but to say that he became the man I wanted to become that's mm-hmm. that's pretty significant. So I really would encourage you um to watch this movie and uh now it's time to ask a kind of serious question. Adam, what do you think is one of the biggest lessons that you took away from the film? I would say forgiveness. There was a scene where he had, you know, he had left home after he was 18 because what was going on with him and his dad, and he came back several years later, and his uh, dad was trying to change things around. Like he'd made breakfast for him one morning when Bart was there that first morning back after like a couple years. And Bart was like, "What? what is this? He's like, you can't just pretend like, Nothing happened, and his dad was really trying. He went through transformation. You could tell by then. But Bart was like, "I, I can't, I can't do this," you know, and act like nothing happened. And you could tell that Bart had some conflictions of forgiving his dad, which you know, who can blame the guy? And there's a scene where he finds his journal from camp, where he was like when he was twelve. Uh, later, when he went back to the house, and he opens it up, and it says, "I choose to forgive," and it was blank. And eventually, he writes, "My dad." So I just think the story of forgiveness there was really, really huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think there's there's some interesting other stuff. That's a very good one. Forgiveness is definitely a theme. But I also think it's interesting what Amy Grant says at the beginning of the film. The beginning of the film starts out with an interview that he's doing with Amy Grant because they're discussing her releasing his song. At this point, it's still going to be Amy Grant uh, releasing the song. And mm-hmm. so they're discussing what that's going to look like. And she said, well, I like to know the story behind the songs that I sing. So tell me the story behind this song. And he said, well, I wrote the lyrics in about 10 minutes. And then I wrote the music in about another 10 minutes. So about 20 minutes total. And she said... Very wisely, she said, you know, you didn't write this um, song in 10 minutes. This song was written over a lifetime Mm. of experience 
and of heartache. And that's when he goes into the, the story of his childhood. And they don't really show him reconciling with his mom. But I was looking at the photo insert in the book, and it said that his mom um, uh, became one of his biggest fans. So they reconciled at some point. So that is good as well. Um, so now comes the time Ooh, where we roll. give our ratings. And again, in some ways, this is the most inco- inconsequential part of the of the film uh, review process, but it's also fun. So, Adam, uh, what would you say is your rating for this film? One being worse, five being best. I give it a uh, four, four and a half out of five stars. Um, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take it down to four just because I felt like um, there was no direct presentation of the gospel. Mm. Now, some people may say that that's not necessary, but in a way, since the whole impetus of it is that my dad um, changed and became a different person, it would have been nice to have like a little bit more direct um, reason why he changed. Um, like It's not words that we say that change us. Um, it's not even actions that we do, like going to church or giving money. It's committing our lives to Jesus Christ and allowing him to change us, that changes us. So I thought that could have been presented a little bit better. Um, but I would say it's four out of five. And I would say that there are some, there was at least one scene that scared me when I was watching it, sitting in the theater. So I would say um, just use your discretion when allowing kids to watch it. But I would say it's very safe for kids 11 or 12 and up. Mm-hmm. And just be prepared to have real discussions with them about what they're seeing because um, there's a lot of important things that can be discussed and gleaned from that. So just wanted to throw that out there. And now that we've given our ratings, I hope that you'll get a chance to maybe watch this this weekend. By the time this episode posts, uh, it should be out on DVD, or if it's not yet, it should be very soon. Yeah, check it out. Um, we have a uh, local um, second-run cheap theater here in the Grand Rapids area where we record, or the West Michigan area where we record. Um, and so it may still be there at the time of this posting, um, but but if not, it will be on DVD soon. And so you want, you'll want to grab this one and watch it with your family because it's a great uh, – feel-good movie in the best way possible. So that is our our review for today, and I hope that you will um, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 